Other horn is going. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a simplistic play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a balance. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, it feels so good to have college football back in full swing. And the Tide got off to a little bit of a slow start, but netted out where we kind of expected them to be. 42-3 to over Duke. Uh, they, they hit the over, which was a little bit in question with a couple of the missed kicks, but uh, it looked like the Tide is, uh, you know, finished up strong and is uh, back to their winning ways. Oh, sure, man. I just uh, – I never would have guessed at the end of the first quarter that we would be sitting here 0-0. Uh, obviously, they had some, you know, missed field goal and some other, you know, breaks that didn't go their way. Uh, hopefully this, you know, this was an opponent that, you know, we both knew they were going to be able to, you know, come out on the other side, like you said. Uh, but sitting in the stands at 0-0 at the end of the first quarter, I, I was scratching my head a little bit. Obviously, it's the first game of the season, and, you know, there's things that has to be ironed out, uh, but definitely was not quite the start I, I thought we would see in the first quarter. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, it, you know, and it's one of those, it's easy to sort of overanalyze it, but, you know, Duke runs a 3-3-5, and, you know, so they're in a, a, a nickel. And so you think, oh, yeah, we should be able to run against this this front. But you take Alabama's number two, uh, top two running backs are out for the first quarter. And the line is still sort of settling into itself. And so it just worked out that what, what should on paper have been uh, the right attack just misfired a little bit for, uh, you know, from call it extraneous circumstances. Oh sure, and you know their their first two drives, you know they um, they they literally had a three and out, and and then because of the fumble, you know the next drive is is literally just two plays, you know due to the Jerome Ford fumble, and then they kind of put it together on that next drive, and you know they have twelve plays, and you're like okay, well this is nice, and and uh, to your point, right, you got a third and five, and you know you've got your fourth string tailback in there, and they choose to run on third and five and only get two yards, and. You know, then the the freshman phenom misses the you know misses the field goal, but it was a forty nine yarder. What you what did you think about him? You know, giving him the opportunity to to try that at the in that situation. Well, I think it certainly speaks to the confidence that the coaches have. Uh, he was a number one kicking prospect out of high school, <clears throat> though still still a freshman kicking on uh, a big stage. I mean, he certainly had the leg for it, and uh, and and Saban, and we can talk about special teams, but you know, Saban definitely wanting to support, uh, you know, Will, and and said, oh, he kicked great, and it just so happened he had a he had a couple of kicks, and they weren't, you know, we've seen bad kicks. Uh, they hit the uprights from from forty nine yards out, uh, forty eight and forty nine. You couldn't do it if you wanted to, but when you're trying to score three for the tide, um, that seems to happen. And and so my first thought, and and you're right, Alabama putting together a drive, twelve plays, and of course we missed the kick. So there's a little bit of fan aggravation, and there's a little bit of looking at it at a little deeper level and say, I think this kid's going to be good. Uh, he did all of the kicks on Saturday, including the punting, uh, all of the kickoffs. Showed a strong leg all day, uh, but then certainly some opportunity for improvement and certainly getting, getting it between 
uh, the uprights. I think he hit the left one and he hit the hit the right one. So on average, he hit two field goals. Yeah, and and you know we can talk about we can talk about the players that missed the first quarter. You know, I think that contributed a little bit to the slow start. And uh, talk about the fact that you know, uh, no surprise that 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 Najee comes in uh, as soon as he's kind of able to there. Yeah, he comes in and, uh, you know, and it's funny, there were four four guys that missed the uh, the first quarter and uh, almost like clockwork, they all got action almost immediately uh, upon their return and they all made a contribution. Uh, Najee, unfortunately, had, um, you know, a 50-yard little swing play and you could tell it's almost, it was just transparent. It jumped out of the TV screen. Uh, the the energy and the effort and the determination that he was trying to exhibit. He wanted all a full quarter of action back on one play, and it was a 50-yarder. It was a nice play, incredible effort, and of course, it's called back for holding. Yeah, and, and what's really unfortunate about that is, you know, <laughs> they, you know, they have to let the play run its course, right? Yep. And so uh, you're sitting here thinking, well. You had your energy all saved up there, and you just, you know, you just gave everything you had to outrun that one DB there to, you know, to to break it uh, for a, you know, for a big run there around the around the right sideline, and so um, we we definitely had some sloppiness. You know, we finished with eight penalties on the day, uh, uncharacteristic for Alabama football, but definitely characteristic of the first game of the season. Yeah, it's one of those things, and we've talked about this before, and and I almost even want to go back and and was this the first game situation is as well. But you know, not everyone gets to make a mistake, right? And so what I mean by that is, you know, you've got a couple of freshmen out there at at, at positions, and and you've got a new line that's sort of you know coming together, um, but not everyone you know, gets to make a holding call. Not everyone gets a turn, right? And so we had we had uh, a running back making his first his first start, right? And nerves get the better of him and, and he fumbles. And we get, you know, Evan Neal, a freshman out there starting, and, you know, nerves, call it if you will, you know, technique, you know, sort of slips with him and, and he gets a big holding call. And and there were and there were other penalties that we got across the front that led to uh, or a missed block or, or, or you know, that, that led to a sack. And so it seemed like everyone got a turn at having a, having a gaffe, and we don't have room for everyone to get a turn. If we're going to have one, that's football. If we're going to have two, hey, let's clean that up, that's football. But you can't have four or five people across the offensive front getting their turn at a mistake. And it just seemed that's what the first quarter was. Everybody getting a turn to do their screw up. Now just get that out of their system. And then, you know, Alabama went on to have a, have a, a pretty productive three quarters from there. No, absolutely, man. Well, um, what, what did you think of, what did you think of the offensive line? Cause, cause obviously, you know, there was some shuffling that occurred. Um, I'm sure you noticed that, you know, on that, on that little scuffle where, you know, where the, uh, uh, where the Duke player was ejected from the game, mm-hmm. you know, Landon Dickerson was was involved in that in that scrum, we'll call it. And I thought it was interesting that you know, even though the Duke player was ejected, uh, Coach Saban brought Landon out uh, right after that and um, proceeded to to bring you know uh, he he slid Emil over to to right guard and and Evan Neal, you know, was there at left guard. And so Landon Dickerson sat about half of that quarter uh, before he was brought back in, kind of in a goal line situation, short yardage. 
Uh, and so I thought it was interesting that even even though even though he didn't get a penalty called against him, um, Coach Saban brought him out to explain the process and how we do things at Alabama. Yeah, he was definitely out uh, a little bit because his helmet came off during the play, and and he had to sit out the next play uh, for that. You know, I thought I thought as a whole the line, I thought the line played well, uh, and there's absolutely absolutely room for it to improve and get better. But I thought. You know, there was only one sack allowed on the day, and it was early, and it was, you know, call it the first quarter doldrums uh, after a long sort of offseason. But I thought the rest of the day, even with uh, even with some shifting and, and shuffling and still trying to get the right personnel, you know, when Coach released the, the depth chart, he still had a number of guys with sort of the slash which mean they were still fighting for uh, fighting for roles on the first and second team. As a whole, when the line settled down, I thought they quitted themselves very, very well. And Landon Dickerson, I'll speak to him, you know, specifically. I thought he played with a lot of emotion. He certainly demonstrated it there. Some of that we've got to contain. I completely agree with you there. There's a little bit of hey, we don't do a lot of that, so let's sort of wind that down a little bit, but. As he w- as I was watching him play, and as I was watching him sort of relish that moment, you know, in a way that maybe is un-Alabama like, he he struck a parallel with another lineman, and I'll say his name, and it'll flood you with like negative connotations. And I don't know that I go all the way down the road to the negative connotations because there's certainly some positive connotations. But his his sturdiness, his stoutness, his barrel chestedness, his emotion reminds me of uh, Richie Cognito. Incognito uh, played with played at Nebraska and then has sort of played uh, a number of stops uh, currently with the Raiders in the NFL. And you know Richie's got sort of his <laughs> his bugaboos, but when he lines up and just plays ball, he's an incredible uh, interior lineman. And Landon just I don't know if it was that emotion and and his look. But he just reminded me of Incognito um, on Saturday night. Well, you remember you talked about you know how how big of a specimen this guy is, and so and you know he has versatility because he can play both guards in the center position, and you know hopefully Chris Owens is able to to maintain the center spot because I actually thought Dickerson would be at center uh, and would beat yeah. out Owens, and so the fact that Owens is manning that spot. <clears throat> I think helps us, you know, whenever <clears throat> whenever we get the line where it needs to be, because obviously Dante Brown, uh, you know, I think is going to be the left guard uh, when he comes back in there. Did you did you notice that Leatherwood uh, came out for some uh, snaps with the ones, uh, and Matt Womack uh, came came into that left tackle position? I thought it was interesting that he came in and, and got some run with the first team there uh, instead of Scott Lashley. Yeah, I thought I thought that was interesting. You know, he was out and had something with his hand, but uh, I, you know, coach didn't mention him in the in the post game, so I think he's going to be okay. But is it? It is interesting that Matt went over there, and not Lashley or not Jedrick moving over. And I guess Jedrick hasn't moved over, but you know, Evan Neal is is going to is going to be sort of the future at left tackle, and and he's practiced some there too. And so you think you might would move him out. So it was interesting to bring sort of a career right tackle slash guard. Uh, It was interesting to see Matt Womack go in there. But again, I think that points to Saban sort of, um, you know, call it setting the floor, right? I know Matt's going to go out there and he's, and I know what he's going to give me. 
if I put something else out there, someone else, they may net out better, but like right now, I don't know what they're going to give me. And so I think, I think there was a, a little bit of that. And Hey, let me, let me uh, run back on Landon. And you were talking about uh, Chris Owens at center. What do you think about Landon, Landon Dickerson and sort of the call it the energy that he exhibited and we don't see practice. And so this is all just theory, but do you think if, if sort of that is his persona, do you think that precludes him from from playing center, which is maybe more of a calm, cer- cerebral uh, position relative to you know a guard, where you can just have a backstreet baller, a mauler uh, at a guard position? Well, I think I think that could be part of it, but I think uh, maybe a bigger part of that is the center's making all the calls, mm-hmm. and so Chris Owens has had more time in the system as a redshirt junior, you know, fourth year in the program, and so maybe. You know, maybe they are just trying to see how Chris can do and and let Landon work his way in. You could also see when Brown comes back, because I think he will be the left guard. You know, you could see Dickerson move down at center there and Matt Womack, you know, be starting at right guard. Matt Womack's a big guy. And obviously he's he's struggled at tackle some in the past. Obviously he's on the depth chart at, at, you know, he's, he's showing as a backup in both right guard and right tackle in some depth charts. And so, you know, I, I think the middle of the line remains to be seen. Yeah. And obviously Leatherwood, you know, started at right guard last year. You know, here's a guy who came in in the national championship game against Georgia and has to step in and play left guard, left tackle in the second half when Tua came in, right? And, and Tua had never, you know, really, you know, played very much. So the only guy Saturday playing the, his, you know, last year position was Jedrick. Right, And so you had four new guys on the line. And so I, I do think that maybe it, Matt brought a little more veteran leadership, uh, and that's why he, he came in for Leatherwood. And then also, too, you know, because of uh, Tua, uh, because of Tua uh, and him being a left-handed quarterback, you know, the right tackle position is obviously, you know, more important, right, from the blind side than even the left tackle. Yep. Uh, yep. And so I think that plays a little bit into as well. But but then when the twos came in in the fourth quarter, Matt stayed out there with the twos. Yep. So um, I, I I thought considering, unlike last year where we had more returning guys at their positions, um, I'm glad we opened the season against an opponent like this because of all the shuffling that was going on. Yeah. No, I agree, and and I think the next next couple of weeks, you know, sort of are an, are an extension of of camp, if you will. And I know that sounds disre- disrespectful, you know, for those teams, but you know, sometimes it is what it is. Um, I think that the competition on the interior, and and you mentioned Deontay Brown, you know, the competition is and should be intense, especially for those interior linemen, because there's more names and bodies than there are positions right now. And in three more weeks, Deontay Brown comes back, and we've seen what he can do at that position. And so you have to at least pencil his name in as one of the two. And so for all the uh, the competition for those three spots, you know, if you think about the duration of the season, there's really they're competing for two spots because I think Deontay comes back, and he may not start that first week back because coach is going to, you know, sort of make his, his statement in, in there as well. But I've, I think if we project out the second half of the season, I don't see the line playing without Deontay Brown at one of the guard positions. 
No, absolutely. We'll talk very quick, a couple of different things, uh, too, real quick. We can talk about this more next week, but just just for the listeners, just make sure uh, for the next Bama game uh, that – uh, that you look for number 73, uh, true freshman Evan Neal, if, if he's yep. in the game, because he, he's going to get more run in the next couple of weeks because Brown's not there. And I say that just because the dude is 6'7", 360. I mean, like when I was watching him in the stands, just to see him dwarf some of these other offensive linemen who are big guys, <laughs> it's like, man, what is in the water in Florida? 6'7", 360. Um, just – the the dude has the dude has some really good mobility for for a boy that big. Yeah, I I agree. I, the the lines the line. I mean, they're just specimens. Um, and I take nothing away from from Chris Owens, but you've got you know six five six 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 seven six five. You know, Chris Owens you know comes in at what six three six four, and it's like who's the shorty out there? Right. No, absolutely. We'll speak to you real quick. Uh, talk about the tight ends very quickly here, because I know we're going to flip the field in a second. But talk about the tight ends, because obviously, you know, Miller and Major, you know, they've got big shoes to fill. Uh, and, and we're going to ask them to, you know, to, to hopefully have a, a, a healthy, uh, productive season at that position. And, and, you know, tight ends an important component in this offense. Did you think we were trying to make a conscious effort do you think Tua was like purposely like even, you know, it appeared to me like there was a deliberate effort to not, well, I'll say it this way. It looked like Duke was not as concerned about the tight ends because of who they were and because these were not returning starters. And Tua's like, okay, if you're going to leave them open, man, I'm going to hit them. Yeah, I think, I think you know, Tua definitely, and, and we've heard him over the offseason and, and, and fall camp, and he's parroting back, you know, the things that the coaches are playing or are saying to him, right? You know, take what the defense gives you. Uh, you're not going to go broke making a profit. Those those types of you know sort of cliche things that that are cliches for a reason, right? They're because you know they're true. Um, and so I think we saw Tua, you know, maybe check down a little bit. Uh, he didn't throw as many you know down downfield you know quick strike bombs. Uh, we had a number of um, I think we had five drives with nine plays or more. Uh, and then we had a, you know, a seven play drive uh, as well. And so I think that he, he indeed was taking what the defense gave. And, and sometimes that was the tight ends Miller and major combined for four passes, 42 yards, you know, with two touchdowns, that's a pretty darn good stat line. Uh, you know, now that's split between two guys, but, but still uh, they both played well. And then Saban was asked in the, in the, in the post game, you know, was there something about running the the two tight end? And you know, Saban, in his characteristic sort of that's a dumb question sort of way of answering uh, and a way of responding, he said, "Well, you know, they run a base nickel, and so sometimes you want to get bigger receivers out there, and so two tight ends uh, really created mismatch problems, and and it really did. And I, I think Miller forced all." Uh, he caught the first pass, which I think really sort of opened up the scoring. That was a twelve play. That was the second consecutive 12 play drive that one just resulted in 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 the touchdown but you know him him running that underneath underneath slant uh and then running up the seam he was wide open the the linebackers did not go with him I think he would have been a mismatch on a linebacker uh but I think those types of plays where you where you scheme a guy open rather than talent a guy open uh I think that's going to be a nice addition to the offense 
And if Tua will just take what's there as opposed to always trying to go for, uh, and this is not a knock on him last season. I mean, he was a record-setting you know, quarterback. But if he can add that to his game where he does just take what's there instead of putting it up and, and, and seeing who can make a miraculous play, if you can sort of blend those together, then I think you can have some pedestrian 12-play 12, 12 drives for touchdowns uh, that will take some heat off the defense burn out the offense uh, burn out the opponent's defense and still move the ball and have sort of new names uh or different names score touchdowns and I think that's what we saw when we saw both uh both the tight end score touchdowns uh, I don't know that anyone would have bet that well that's what I was going to say right is you you hear you hear two guys split four catches for 42 yards and like okay ho hum but then when you finish that and say there was two touchdowns on that stat sheet you know I never would have dreamed that you know that there would have been two tight two touchdowns from that uh, from those two guys in the first game of the season, right? So, uh, right. so that was surprising. Uh, what else jumped out at you on the offensive side of the ball? You know, I think uh, you know Tua put up just. Uh, it's hard not to talk about you know Tua and then in the receivers, but you know Tua ended up being twenty six of thirty one for three thirty six and, and four touchdowns. That that's a great stat line. It just really is. Uh, and then Judy had ten catches for a buck thirty seven. Uh, and a touchdown. That is another great stat line. But then so many other folks were involved. Jerome Ford sort of settled down. Uh, he, he broke a nice run. That was good to see. Uh, and, of course, we talked about the tight ends. That was really good to see. Anything else that jumped out to you on offense? Or uh, you no, got, man. got a mini game ball? Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm ready for my mini game ball. Uh, I think I'm going to split this to the tight ends for the reasons we just mentioned. Uh, just because coming into this game, you know, that was a question mark. How are these guys going to respond from their injuries and how are they going to step up? Yep. And, um, you know, for the reasons that we've already talked about, I'm, I'm going to give it to, uh, I'm going to split it up and give it to Miller and Major. No, I think that's good. I am going, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to split it up. Uh, I'm going my mini game ball with uh, Major Tennyson on that first touchdown. Uh, you know, again, it was that second 12 play drive. And and at the at that time, I was thinking if we can if we can punch this in, I think this turns the game. We're going to wear out their defense, um, and so I'm certainly hoping for that. They lined up with you know the two tight end set. You know, Major was on the the left, and uh, I want to say minor uh, Miller was on the the right, and so Miller ran. You know, like we said that that underneath slant, he actually ran. He and Devonta Smith ran into one another, but. You know, he sort of broke free from that and cut up the seam and the seam and he was open. But Major, he ran behind the line of scrimmage like he was going to do something uh, a little underneath or run out into the flat. And he actually was staying in to block. And there was a defender coming around the edge that uh, that Major picked up and blocked and sort of rode out of the play. And so and and. There was no reference to it, no sort of, you know, but if he had not been there, if he had missed that block or if he'd whiffed or or if, whatever, then Tua would have been sacked and, and the touchdown wouldn't have happened. So I'm giving my mini game ball to Major Tennyson uh, for, for coming down, blocking, running the guy sort of out of the play so that Tua could get the ball off for the go-ahead touchdown. And, again, I think that sort of changed the, the tone of the game. Alabama at that point was ready to come and play the rest of the game. No, that is awesome, man. Well, let's let's flip the field to, to defense. I, I want to start you off with, um, you know, obviously we talked about the the the, uh, the slow start that the offense had. Uh, so talk to me real quick, you know, because we did have some some defensive players that were not playing in the first quarter as well. 
Uh, talk to me about after Jerome Ford fumbles the ball. You know, Duke is starting first and 10 at the Alabama 26 <laughs> there uh, with great field position. Um, I think that was a, a huge stand uh, for, you know, there's some there's some new faces over there. Obviously, we'll talk about Dylan Moses not being there and two true freshmen having to line up in the middle there. But I, that was a huge test early, you know, first and 10 for, for Duke on our 26. Yeah, you know, you always kind of hear in baseball and, and, and football, you want to be strong up the middle. And when you have a true freshman starting at, at the nose and you have two middle linebacker uh, freshmen starting, then – it begs the question, are you strong up the middle? And, and Alabama certainly seemed to be. And it was one one game. Um, you want to see them continue to improve, and you want to see some some evolution there. But I think Duke came out, and and credit, you know, to Coach Cut. He, you know, he's a, he's a bright guy. I think he's a really, really good coach. And he came out really trying to throw, you know, some loops at Alabama. And they came out running sort of an eye-bone uh, look and, you know, run the ball. And, and really tried to disrupt uh, the interior and really didn't have any success there. And, and it wouldn't have been a surprise for them to have had some success and, and, and maybe score a touchdown there. And it take a quarter for uh, the defense to kind of settle back down and get a grip on what they were doing. But immediately the defense was locked on, understood what they were doing, uh, you know, ran to the ball, made plays. I think all three – of those guys, and I don't want to, you know, heap too much praise on them, but I think all three of those guys, Christian Harris, Shane Lee, and DJ Dale, I think they all acquitted themselves very well. Uh, Harris and, and Lee uh, were right at the top of the, the tackle sheet with six apiece. It seemed like there was a stretch where every time you looked at uh, the, the the pile, Shane Lee was getting off the ground, uh, that he had, he had been in, around, near the ball, uh, which was phenomenal. And I like Christian Harris. I think he got burned once in, in coverage. But this is a guy that played, um, you know, in the secondary in high school. Now, he was a big safety, but, you know, he played in the secondary in high school. And, and Tommy, we've talked about not having a, a, a linebacker that could cover, you know, dating all the way back to C.J. Mosley. And I want to knock on some wood somewhere, as, as even as I say this, but we might have a linebacker that can cover. And I think that's going to be uh, exciting to see the evolution of all three of these guys in in the middle uh, over the obviously over the rest of this season but you know what stands to be you know the next the next two seasons as well well definitely you know you you had a you had a third and eight uh and and they carried the ball for seven yards there and and set up that crucial fourth and one and um for you know that was a big test early for them to be able to stop them there at, at fourth and one and, and get the ball back to the offense you know, when you look at the stat sheet, though, you know, just like I said, it's early. But when you look at the stat sheet, if you take if you take the the quarterback's ten carries out of the stats, okay, because he ran ten times for thirteen yards, and some of those are you know scrambles and avoiding sure. sacks, etc. The other three tailbacks each carried the ball seven carries, uh, and they each averaged roughly five yards. So if you if you take out the quarterback, you had twenty one carries for about a hundred yards. And so, you know, that, that yards per carry obviously is not something we're used to seeing, you know, at five yards a carry. And so, and it, you know, and, and our opponent level, you know, was a different level. And so I'm just really glad that we're starting off with games like this versus games we might have done in the past, just given the youth that we have there, uh, because uh, this is really going to benefit them, you know, four or five weeks down the road. 
Yeah, I think you know this is one of those. This is one of those games where you're pleased with the outcome, but if you're a coach, you're you're kind of slyly pleased that there's some things that you can pick out and coach coach up. And so let's not get too high on on this win because there's a lot of things that we can and and absolutely need to shore up. And I think that's a prime uh, that's a prime example. At the same time, though, um, I think there is. I don't know if relief is the right word. That might be too strong of a word, but uh, there's certainly some satisfaction in seeing how they played. Uh, and we're going to button up a couple of these things, and these guys have a chance to be really good. And I want to be careful with that. I don't want to be too far into the Kool-Aid, but uh, I, I was mighty impressed with their performance on Saturday. Definitely definitely good for you know true freshmen, right? And, yep. and the other thing very quickly for the listeners, which I, which I find which will be fun to watch, is they both have some decent size to them. Uh, yeah. you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're both sitting here, you know, locking in at 200 and, you know, 250 pounds and, and, uh, you know, uh, excuse me, 240 for Harris and 250 for Lee. So definitely have some nice size to them. Uh, talk very quickly to me about, you know, uh, obviously, you know, Josh Job is, is getting an opportunity, uh, you know, to, to get, to get run here. Um, you know, those, those couple pass interference plays, I thought were good calls. Uh, I, I think he's got to, you know, he, he's got to turn and look back to the ball and, you know, Trevon Diggs needs to, you know, he needs, to, he needs, to, he needs to tail behind Trevon a little bit in practice. Um, he acted as if he didn't kind of agree with those calls, but I, I thought they were fair calls. I think, I think Josh, I, I think Josh had a rough day to his first start. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think they were all good calls. I think DBs, it's in their blood, uh, you know, that they've never, you know, there's no such thing as pass interference. And so, you know, they're always uh, appropriate in what they did. And and receivers, by the same token, you know, every play is a pass interference. And so there's a little bit that's just, you know, they have to do that, I almost feel like. But, uh, yeah, I think he's got to sharpen up his his technique. I think he did demonstrate, you know, uh, some capability, certainly staying in the hip pocket of the receiver. He's got to turn to the ball. He's got to get, you know, his hand his hand in play. I think Trayvon played, you know, really, really well. I think he tried to swat one ball once, and and that ball, I don't know how, you know, sort of matrixy, uh, how the ball, you know, landed in the receiver's arms, and and Trayvon just barely missed it. Uh, but Diggs also made, you know, a really athletic uh, interception. Uh, you know, on the whole, uh, and there's certainly things to pick out, on the whole I thought the secondary played really well. And, uh, again, just surprised that uh you know surprised not surprised we talked about this in, in the preseason show about shy carter not starting in the secondary and you think how can that be and it's you know the evolution of and, and growth of all of these other guys and, and certainly their contribution you know shy carter went out as a captain um and then i did see him play now you were in the game and so we talk about you know, you get one perspective on TV, you get another live, and there's benefits of both. Um, what did you? When did you see? You know, Shy come in, and 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 it may have been. I may have just seen him in, and we were running a dime. And sometimes that's harder to tell on on TV. But and and that may be a nuanced question that you may not have immediately sort of picked up on. But but you know, was there sort of a narrative when Shy came in, or did he just rotate in for someone? Um. It seemed to be more based on the dime, and we okay. ran more dime than I expected, uh, just because of the look that that Duke was giving us. And so, you know, Jared Maiden and and Shy Carter were, you know, in in deep center field, 
um, in the in the cover two look uh, numerous times, um, which I think was helpful for for Maiden. You know, because because Shia Carter I thought played very well last year, and yeah. and based on based on Josh Job's you know performance, and granted he he's just a true sophomore, you know. I think Shy will continue to push Josh Job uh, at his position. I'll say it that yeah. way. And so I don't think the Patrick Sertain and Josh Job um, and Trevon Diggs is settled at the moment. You see what I'm saying? Like I, I think yeah. you could see, I think you could see Shy back in that star and Sertain back at that other corner, um, depending on how Josh continues to progress. Um, but Shy was in. Uh, predominantly in the dime look, uh, but they ran the dime look a lot more than I thought they would. No, that makes sense. And and you think of your best eleven defenders. It's hard. It's hard to envision Shy Carter not being one of your best eleven. And and so what's interesting is you've got a guy that's relegated to the the dime. That and and a lot of times you think about the dime. It's your sixth defensive back, right? And so you think, well, it's another DB, but. He, you know he's our second team something right and and you know Shy is probably good enough to play for any other team in the conference and to think that he's our dime back and you think not only does the secondary get better because there's six instead of five no the secondary gets better because there's an all conference caliber player that just stepped in the the field it's 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 an embarrassment of riches that I'm not embarrassed of, right? It's well, amazing. I, I just I, I just can't. It's almost unbelievable, and and which circles back to your point. I don't think the rotation is settled. I think we're going to see some movement, uh, but it's almost, you know, it's it's almost what's the game you play? Musical chairs, where there literally are more talented players that could that can contribute than there are available positions. Well, um, again, I will, it's an Alabama problem. Well, I will say, though, due to the linebacker depth issue, right, and we haven't talked about Dylan Moses yet here, but due to the due to the linebacker depth issue, which was already an issue before with Josh yep. McMillan, you know, being out, right? And now it's even more with Dylan Moses. I will tell you something that we can think about and talk more on our next podcast uh, or do a you know, separate breakaway show is – we might end up evolving this year to a base dime instead of a base nickel. I, I can I can argue that Xavier McKinney, due to his physicality, yep. uh, might end up being the third linebacker in the box, and Shab might play a lot more um, going forward. And and we might end up trying the base nickel versus the base dime and saying, well, gosh, behind Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings. We don't have a lot right now, you know, and, and and Terrell Lewis didn't start the game, right? So maybe that's also why they did a lot of dime in the first quarter. But, but Dave, we we could see, you know, a base dime and say, hey, this is our best, this is our best chance going forward versus the base nickel right now. Well, I think against, I think absolutely against some teams, you know, that's going to be true. But that's a fantastic point, and it's certainly something that 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 I've thought about as well and and you know the coaches have and and what do we talk about a lot on even on the podcast we talk about manufacturing depth right and so if we're thin at middle linebacker because i mean holy hell we've had two guys go down and so you know now we're playing two true freshmen if we need to to take the pressure off of that position 
and and manufacture depth, manufacture snaps where we don't have two freshmen at the middle linebacker spot, then going going to a dime and even it makes me wish we had a Mark Barron or uh, or a Ronnie Harrison type where they could almost be a walk up linebacker. And they're both a little bigger than Xavier, but I think Xavier, you know, he's not afraid to lower his shoulder and, and lay some wood. And so is there a hybrid ish position where where he becomes Oh, we're really playing a, a nickel out of a dime personnel and using almost a walk-up linebacker from a strong safety position. I know that there's a whiteboard somewhere in Tuscaloosa where they've been, you know, drawing up that kind of scheme, and it'll be interesting to see if, if against, you know, and I couldn't predict the team, but it, it would be interesting if we roll out that kind of look. I think we're going to have to watch for that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Ronnie Harrison, <clears throat> Ronnie Harrison ran 6'3", 207 pounds. I, I will say I think Xavier has gotten a little bit, you know, uh, more stout uh, okay. in, the, in the off season. It appeared to me like uh, in the stands. And so, you know, I don't think he – Well, think Harrison it, played bigger then. I'll say that. He played bigger. He laid wood – he did. He played bigger than his bigger size. than a two hundred five dude. Yes, and I think Xavier did did on Saturday as well. And yeah. I think Xavier, um, I think Xavier, um, I think Xavier is going to be that. You know, even though he's at the free safety position, I, I think he's going to be asked to play a strong safety type of role, and he's going to be in the box on a lot of situations. Yep. I agree. I agree. That's a, that's a look. Hey, and it's one of those things, just because we didn't see it Saturday doesn't mean we're not going to do it. It's it's We didn't have to do that on Saturday. And so that is absolutely a look that we should all watch out for because I think we will see it uh, through the course, you know, at some point in the season. And I think that may be the halftime adjustment or the early third quarter adjustment when, you know, Alabama's having a little bit of struggle, a little bit of struggle. I think that could be an adjustment where, you know, I don't know what happened. They just started playing better. No, it was because of. I think that could be that type of adjustment we see at some point this season. Oh, absolutely. One more thing real quick. I found it interesting when they brought in the backups on defense. Shane Lee stayed in with Markel uh, Bennett – or Benton, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and so, obviously, that's a freshman needing more run. But here he's played the whole game, and he stays in in the fourth quarter uh, with Benton. Uh, versus bringing in Moody or Ko, so I, I thought yep. that was interesting that, that that he stayed in the game there. No, I think that that's a good point too, right? And and some of that goes back to is in it's just the number of reps, right? You got to get reps, and so earlier in camp, Joshua uh, McMillan went down, and so Christian Harris stepped in, and so you know the honest truth is he's had more reps at the position, and Dylan went down very recently and so at that position Shane Lee just has fewer reps and so bringing him in to get you know 10 more reps in the second half of the Duke game or whatever the count was uh, I think there's a material sort of application of, of of seeing him out on the out on the field longer no absolutely what else what else jumped out at you on defense you know I just think overall uh I just think overall the defense 
Uh, and again, it's you could look at the stats a couple of different ways, uh, but the 204 total yards, and, and I like your analysis of the 100 of that running, which you know we can certainly tighten that down. But 204 on the day, um, you know they were three of 12 on third downs, and you know that's one of the things that that Saban preaches is get them off the field on third downs and us stay on the field on third downs. And so you know we were more 500 on third downs on offense. But we limited them. They were only 25% on third downs. And that contributed to, you know, Alabama running the clock, you know, 36, uh, 36 minutes. And, you know, the time of possession stat, it never ceases to, you know, it never ceases to, you know, kind of surprise me. And so, you know, Alabama had the had the ball, you know, 36 minutes. And you think, well, that's just a little bit over 30 minutes. So, okay. But when you add a minute to your side, you take one away from their side. And so Alabama had the ball almost 37 minutes, and and Duke had the ball just over 23 minutes. That is a huge disparity when you put those numbers side by side. Oh, it is. And, you know, I, I think Duke's plan here, due to the young, you know, depth in the middle that we talked about, was to run the ball. I mean, they only attempted 22 passes, and he only yep. completed 12 of those, and he had two picks on the day. So obviously the 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 plan here, you know, that they had 32 attempts running the ball with that limited time of possession. Imagine how many times they would have run the ball had they had the ball longer. So yep. I think they were trying to, you know, uh, slow the game down. Obviously they were trying to, you know, keep the ball away from you know Tua and these wide receivers. Um, and uh, it was a good test for the three freshmen we just spoke about for all those reasons. Who, who no, you- I agree. I think if you're Cutcliffe and uh, and sort of the offensive coaches at, at Duke and, and you know, hey, they've got three guys right at the middle. We're going to come out. They've never seen this on film. We've never done this, but we put in 10 or 12 uh, sort of wishbone plays, and we're going to come out and we're going to test those freshmen right up front. And when that doesn't work, you have to, you have to say, oh, boy, it's going to be a long day, <laughs> right? No, absolutely, man, absolutely. I mean, they've never seen that. Now, they may play against that in high school, but I'm saying, you know, they've been watching Duke tape and watching Duke tape and watching Duke tape. Duke doesn't do that. And so for them to come out and start the game and you think, hey, they're going to make some, hey, we're going to get some first downs. We're going to move the ball. That's going to set up a little play action. I mean, that's what, you know, Coach Cutcliffe was coaching up, right? And you can buy into that. I would, you know, I would buy into that if I were a Duke player. And for it not to work, that has to be pretty demoralizing. Oh, absolutely, especially after that fumble, right? Especially after that fumble and they had the ball at the 26-yard line. Based on all that, they're thinking, hey, we're going to get a touchdown here and put points on the board. We're going to take the lead here. So tell me – What else on – anything else on defense or are you ready for uh, your mini game ball? No, man, I think I'm ready for mini game ball. You know, I'm going to give it just to Christian Harris and Shane Lee just once again, just like the tight end position. Uh, They both finished the day, you know, third and fourth, tied for third. We'll say tied for second, actually, on the stat sheet. Uh, with Anthony Jennings at six total tackles and two uh, solo, and so uh, you know, I just just a big, just a nice start to their Alabama career. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, as as you were saying that, there's just one more point on defense I want to call out, and then I'll do my mini game ball. When when Terrell Lewis came in, one of his first plays was was the sack, and there's a formation that they ran that out of. That you know, again, we'll have to watch for and and have the listeners watch for. But you know, normally Lewis and Anfrey Jennings line up on opposite ends. Well, 
Amphrey Jennings lined up on on the outside, the the left outside uh, from the defense perspective, and Terrell Lewis lined up just inside of Jennings, and so we had two of the uh, we had Anthony and, and Terrell lined up side by side, which we don't see that a whole lot. And then, you know, Anthony went from the outside and Lewis ran a stunt with the tackle. And so the tackle sort of came out and he went inside the, the a gap. Um, uh, Lewis did and recorded the sack. And I thought that was a pretty creative sort of manufacture uh, of pressure. Uh, and that's a great use of Terrell Lewis, his athleticism his capability and of course his energy and excitement to get back on the field. I thought that was a phenomenal play and I, and, and it might just be fun to watch some of the games we play and how we move him around or how the coaches move him around uh, to try to create pressure from sort of unusual angles. That's going to be a fun thing to watch as well. Oh, absolutely, man. Well, who was who your Sorry, mini I snuck game ball? that one in on you. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. Who's your mini game ball? I'm giving uh, – there's a lot of guys on, on defense that, you know, that, that made a play or made a contribution that, that could get a, uh, a mini game ball. And, you know, one of, the, one of the plays, and just even as it happened, I said, there's my mini game ball. And so uh, I'm going to stick with it. There was, there was a play in, in the third down, in, in the third quarter. Alabama was, was starting to pull away. I think we were up 28-3 to, to three at the time. So we were starting to, to pull away. And Duke was just trying to muster something together, and, and they really couldn't. They, they really struggled in, in the third quarter, or in the, in the second half, really. But they were going for a first down, and Xavier McKinney just coming down. He was even just coming down the yellow line on, on the TV, and he stepped, he stepped inside the line, so clearly short of the first, and he just wrangled the guy. I mean, it was a solo tackle. Uh, it was there was no sort of band of brothers making making the play. He grabbed the guy and just you know torso strength him down you know to the ground short of the first Alabama you know they punted Alabama ball and I thought that was a great play. He came in uh, he you know he quietly led the team in eight eight tackles and that was just one of those plays. Um, there was a lot of first down saving tackles, but that was one where he made the play solo tackle, saved the first down, shut down the drive. Kicked Alabama, and I think we went ahead and scored a touchdown on on that next drive. That really stood out to me at that moment of the game. That if they if they had one last gasp of trying, they needed to score on that drive. They weren't getting the first down at the thirty uh, on that drive, and in the person of Xavier Xavier McKinney. So I, that's my mini game ball. Oh, absolutely, and that's why I was talking about. You know, he played above his size. Yes, uh, yes. You know, and 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 threw his threw his weight around and and made his made his presence known. Uh, with this physicality uh, in this game, for sure. Uh, talk about special teams. Um, what what would you like to touch on? We've already kind of tucked on the the freshman phenom a little bit, you know, punting and you know kicking off and and attempting the field goals. Um, what what jumped out at you besides you know him hitting the post a couple times? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. He's a he's a true freshman, and so uh, you know any sort of thing that we didn't like, we want to temper it. And I think Saban you know, sort of set the tone. He was asked about Will and said, oh, he, he did a great job. Um, he didn't flinch at it, and, and, I th- and I think that's right. Now, I think there's probably some things that, that he could have done better. Uh, you know, he had two punts and averaged, you know, 40 yards. You know, we're still drunk off J.K. Scott, right? You know, we want to see 46, 47, 48 uh, yard averages, and so I think there's, there's room for growth there. Um, and then, of course, you know, all the kickoffs going into the end zone um, – you know, six for six on special teams. I mean, are on uh, on PATs. Uh, we missed a lot of PATs last year. It was it was just incredible. So those are f- phenomenal. 
But uh, again, the two kicks hitting the upright, they were long kicks. He had the leg. He had the distance. Uh, we just got to get the doinks out of the way. And I think he has a chance to um, – I think he's going to improve from this game. But and I think he showed a lot, and then there's and but because he did so much, he was out there so much, which speaks to his talent and leg strength. There's just more things to sort of uh, you got to work on that just a little bit as well. And so I'm kind of mixed on his performance, but I'm optimistic of what it what it projects to in the future. But are you surprised in his with it being his first game that they wouldn't let DeLong just I I. I I'm surprised they didn't let DeLong take a few punts instead of asking him to do all of that in his first game. Yeah. It's one of those things. We don't know what happens in, in camp, right? Sure. So we don't know what we've seen, you know, from DeLong in, in camp. You know, I'll, you know, I'll say this. You know, Skyler was, was brought in last year. Uh, he was a recruited punter. I think he was on scholarship. He may still well be. Um, and, and so there was a lot of optimism that he was going to be that he was going to be the guy, that he was going to step in for J.K., which is an incredible amount of pressure for a freshman punter. And, you know, recall he was beat out by, you know, a transfer from, I want to say Temple, uh, Mike Bernier last year. And Bernier um, is on the team this year. He was he's still a walk-on. He was not allowed to practice uh, until they expanded the roster beyond 105. And so and – so, and and Bernier's the guy that beat out Skyler Long, and so you can do this sort of transit transition of you know math and say I'm not surprised, but then you know at the same time I probably am surprised. I, I probably expected you know Skyler to to come out and at least get the first kick, and um, but I, I I think it really speaks to what we're seeing in practice or what the coaches are seeing in practice. No, that's fair. Uh, anything else on special teams from that you that jumped out at you? You know, I'm looking forward to Waddle, um, you know, breaking free. Uh, I think that, you know, I think Duke plays pretty smart special teams. They put the ball in the air, got their coverage team down there. And so, you know, safely, appropriately, um, you know, he, he um, you know, fair caught, you know, nearly all the kicks. Uh, still not a fan of running the ball out of the end zone. <laughs> you know, when they're going to give you 25, uh, you know, I think the first play of the game, we got out to the 23. And, you know, so first play of the season – you know, we lost two yards on a kickoff return, and I just, for the life of me, I don't understand it. But I, 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 I might be the only one on that one, and and I don't see any change coming. You know, based on, you know, I mean, Saban knows more football than I do, and if I can dream up that stuff, certainly he can. But he lets them, he lets them, and you know, they're gonna break one, and and that'll happen one day. But somebody's gonna get hurt on one someday too, and or there's gonna be a fumble, and so I don't know, I. I don't know. I don't know what to say. No, dude, I'm with you, man. I think I think he's just playing the odds just due to the yeah. big play ability of the of the guys he's got back there. Right. And 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 you know what? There's something to that, right? Because they do have big play ability and they are gonna break one. There's no I mean it's gonna happen. There's no doubt about it. And 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 you want them, you know, you know, I'll throw this out there and I'll kinda argue against myself. But a couple years ago, you know, in Arizona, you know, we beat Clemson for the national title. And one of the reasons we did that is because Kenyon Drake ran back a kickoff for a touchdown. Sure. And so, well, what if all season he had never been allowed to return, you know, return one and sort of get his mind in the return game? Um, I mean, you can reason that side of it as, as well, and that's probably where, you know, coaches is, is kind of going with it. Um, it still surprises me. I'm still – I don't know. I've – 
kind of a stick in the mud on it, but I, you know, I can see a little bit of the other side as well. No, I'm with you. Anything else you, anything else you need to wrap up on the, on this game? No, let's, uh, let's talk about next week. Uh, New Mexico state Aggies come to town. Um, you know, once they unload the bus, how much of a chance do they have? Man, you know, take nothing, take nothing away from them. Um, but there's, you know, there, there's a reason um, that I'm glad that this schedule shapes up the way it does to start out. You know, obviously them having this opportunity is going to be great uh, for their football program uh, and, and the opportunity to, to, to come and, uh, and visit Tuscaloosa and, and step on the field with Alabama. But, uh, you know, I, I see this I see this as one of those games where, you know, we have the fun we have the fun conversation of, you know, do we break do we break 50 and tick off Saban or not? Um, right. You know, uh, I, I, I think this is a situation where it's kind of call your score. You know, I, I think we get off to a quicker start in the first quarter than obviously we did in this game. And, um, you know, I, I think this is something like a. This is like a fifty-two to to fifty-two to seven ball game, and and Saban's going to be a little frustrated that you know we we got over fifty there. Yeah, I I agree. You know, New Mexico State, you know they played a, a you know they lost to Washington State Saturday fifty-eight to seven. Uh, you you got to figure it's a three o'clock kick or it was a two o'clock kick. I guess Tuscaloosa two thirty kick. You know Tuscaloosa time, and so. You know that's a big time change coming coming east. It's a long you know trip for New Mexico State to come out, and uh, I think I I think you're right. I think it's a sort of pick your score kind of game. Um, I would not be surprised. Um, I think 52. You know I think Vegas has it as a 55 point spread, which is just insane. Um, but at the same time, I think it's like a 63 to three type game. I think it is just one of those big numbers that. You know, when we were students, we never saw Alabama do, but we've seen more of it recently, and certainly last season we saw uh, we saw it a number of times as well. You know, I think that last score that, you know, gets us above 60, uh, I think 60 is the new 50, right? And so when Saban sort of jumps up and down, I didn't want to score that last touchdown. I think it's the, it's the, the score that gets us over uh, 60. And so I think it's uh, – and, and look, I, it's hard to call the shutout, and so I always kind of – you know, somebody could fumble the ball and trip and fall and, and score a touchdown or, or get lined up for a kick. And so it's hard to predict the goose egg, but I'll go 63-3. And and if Saban wants the score to be a different number, then it could very easily be a different number. Well, I do see um, we I, I do see our comment about that base dime uh, coming into play here uh, because basically, you know, they, they, do, they do run four wide as their primary formation. And so I do see, you know, some good opportunities – uh, for us to get some good work against a spread offense, uh, and uh, I, I think Shy Carter gets to play a lot in this ball game just due to that four wide set that they run as you know as their base formation. Yeah, I agree. And there's a lot of youth in the secondary uh, for Alabama. You know, Scooby Carter got some run on Saturday. Uh, Battle had him uh, an interception in the end zone. That was just a poorly you know thrown ball. But I think we're going to see some of the youngsters in, in the as much as we see the dime package uh and i agree with you i think we're going to see a lot of the the youth in the secondary and then i think it's going to be fun to see how we sort of mix up the, the middle linebackers i think that markel benton and uh and and jalen uh, uh was jalen moody i think he's going to get some run at the linebacker spot as well ali Cahoe. so i do think that 
that we're going to see a lot more rotation, and we may see it on the interior of the offensive line. So this is going to be one of those games that it's almost going to be like the podcast special, right? You want to go, you want to see what the rotation is. There's a lot of stuff that you won't get from the telecast that is just going to be binoculars watching numbers is, yes. is what it's going to be. Uh, and, and, and I'm kind of excited for that element uh, of the game. I wish it were a night game, and but it's going to be that one hot September game we always get, right? And unfortunately, that's going to be this Saturday. But uh, at the same at the same time, I'm really looking forward to it because we're going to see a lot of different personnel groupings, a lot of rotations, a lot of depth, um, and I know that kind of talk aggravates Saban um, because it's an assumption that we're going to you know torch these guys, but I think it's a pretty safe one. Well, I mean, very quickly, you know, when they played Washington State, who obviously is, you know, preseason top 25 team, you know, apparently the Washington uh, – uh, apparently the, the Washington State quarterback completed his first 15 passes in the football game and, yeah. and threw for four touchdowns in the first half. So, you know, <laughs> when we talk about the score and you call it, right, I mean, let's – you know, how how's Tua and his, you know – uh, uh, array of receivers going to handle that, you know, type of situation if they were able to complete their first 15 passes in that ball game. So, yeah, no, I think it'll be interesting, right? I think, I think, you know, Mac Jones, we could see him start the second half, and and we could see, you know, Talia, um, you know, start the fourth quarter, and I think, I think we see both of those guys get, you know, get some run, and so, I mean, you know, are we up 35 to nothing at half? Are we up, you know, 42 to nothing at half? Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not at all be surprised. And then, and then you just start bringing guys out, uh, and then shuttling in uh, a bunch of other guys. And I think that's where it's going to be a lot of fun. No, absolutely, man. Well, looking forward to it. First home game of the season, and uh, good chances for some guys people have not seen get you know get some playing time. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Tom, just real quick, I want to uh, give a shout out, and we want to give a shout out. We've had about forty people participate in the listener support campaign. Uh, campaign. We absolutely 100% appreciate everyone's uh, uh, participation. That is phenomenal. Uh, we're going to keep this thing uh, going. We're going to start dropping some some sort of bonus content for that group, uh, and and but we want to keep the doors open. So if you haven't enrolled yet, just hop over to AlabamaFootballPodcast.com. It's going to be one of the sort of one of the lead articles. Uh, there's it's on the banner, the the support campaign. So absolutely uh, jump into that if you haven't yet. It's not too late. Like I said, we we hope to drop uh, some bonus content on a on a regular basis. So we don't intend sort of closing down. Uh, we'll just kind of keep it open, and you can join uh, when when you're able to, and then you'll have access to whatever the bonus content that that we've put in. But we we highly encourage you know people jump out there. Uh, probably you haven't coordinated exactly what's going on, you know, for the game this weekend and such, but, you know, may drop a sort of a last minute email, uh, to, uh, to the supporters about where we might be hanging out, you know, before or after the game. And so get in, it's not too late, uh, get in and, um, we appreciate your support. And again, special thanks, uh, to those, uh, to those who have supported us, uh, so far, uh, Tommy, a lot of flattering commentary, uh, that we're getting. I need to sort of bundle some of that up and, and send it over and maybe we'll share some of that on the podcast, but uh, just a great group uh, so far uh, participating. And uh, like I said, a lot of flattering uh, comments and commentary from, from you all. And we greatly appreciate it. 
Absolutely, guys. Thank you for uh, thank you for participating. All right. Well, in the meantime, hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.